this month in a very special episode of Ice Coffee, I'm speaking with Amanda Zimmerman, who got in touch on Facebook after listening to a few episodes and had some really interesting insights on Antarctica based on her reading and her personal experiences. Amanda, what drew you south? I, you know, I've been interested in Antarctica for as long as I can remember. Um, I don't know what it is about Antarctica, but the more I learn about it, the more I want to be a part of it. Uh, I used to be kind of a homebody and I never left and uh, would read books and think I could never possibly go there. And then I had some things change in my life and I decided to, to go. So I went down as a tourist a couple of times and then I just needed more and more. So then I, I went down to McMurdo and worked down there last year. You worked at McMurdo in what capacity? I was a supply tech apprentice. A supply tech apprentice. I know those words, but I, yeah. I don't understand the concept. Can you explain <laughs> that to the listeners, please? Well, it means that I was not a full supply tech. I was an apprentice to a supply tech. And the supply tech is one of the people that supplies all of the things that you use when you're down there. So from handing out pencils to toilet paper to paper towels, uh, it means driving forklifts. And, and what I found out really quickly is it didn't mean driving forklifts like you see at Home Depot. It meant driving like heavy equipment, which was something that I had never done before. I come from kind of office jobs. I had a really great job that I quit to go down there. Um, so yeah. It, it was quite interesting getting to learn how to move pallets around with a forklift, uh, take things out of mill vans or containers, uh, and then handing out things like toilet paper and detergent uh, to people across Japan. And driving those, uh, they call them the pickles, the, the big green diesel powered forklifts. Uh, was that a steep learning curve or something that you prepared for in other aspects of your office? office work? No, I, I had never prepared for this ever. It was completely new. My dad's a heavy equipment operator, so it's a bit in my blood. Um, but the pickles were the smaller ones that you could drive into the containers. But the larger ones like the cat, um, you know, I, I know their names. I don't necessarily know their their numbers, but like uh, Lorelei, uh, where we actually, the larger pieces of equipment. I had never driven anything like that before. I had taken a class in Scotland, uh, one day class driving uh, remotely operated vehicles or piloting remotely op operated vehicles because I had always wanted to do that. So um, that was the closest I'd ever come to operating a piece of equipment like that. And uh, I cannot say that it's a skill I'm very good at. And what is or what was the process like for you in terms of applying for a job in Antarctica? What what sort of mental and practical steps did you take towards that goal? Yeah, so it took quite a bit actually because I I got down to the peninsula as a guest on Quark, which I loved, uh, and then I ended up going back down as a guest because I was um, friends with somebody that worked on board, uh, and I just felt like I needed to be down there more. At the same time, I was getting my MBA at Imperial College of London. So I was in London a lot. I joined the Royal Geographic Society. I went to everything that I could on Antarctica. I tried really hard to get a job on an expedition ship, but it just didn't work out for me. I didn't have the experience or like, I hadn't led tours of the Discovery Hut. 
so I didn't have kind of those things that stood out uh, to those recruiters. So uh, when I was in London, I was able to go to quite a few lectures and uh, talk to different people. And at the end of one of them, somebody came up to me and said, hey, you sound like you've been to the Antarctic a few times. What's your story? And he had worked in McMurdo. So he kind of gave me some insight in terms of getting hired down there. Uh, and he happened to also be in my MBA program. So I was able to connect with him. And then uh, it took me, I mean, from the time I started trying to work down in Antarctica, it took me about three years to actually make the right contacts and have everything work out for me to go down and work at the station. It was quite, quite challenging. A common story though, the, the determination to get there seems to be such a common feature in so many of these stories. And while you've approached Antarctica by ship, you've also stepped out of the plane into Antarctica. You've sort of had both, both of those approaches, which isn't as common. Mm -hmm. uh, can you describe your first taste of Antarctica? <laughs> well, I mean, the first taste that I had on the ship, um, I was, I mean, uh, this was the trip of a lifetime to me. I actually, I wear a ring uh, that I got the day before that I left um, that just keeps with me that I actually achieved this goal of going down to the Antarctic. Um, and so for me, it was, I, I was just so thrilled leaving Ushuaia and heading down. And the first night, um, or, you know, it was, it was light outside, but um, the first day that we started to approach the continent, I got up very early so that I could see. And you could see just a few um, islands in the distance. And I saw some little jumps in the water and I said, hey, there's dolphins out there. And they said, no, those are penguins. And just, I mean, from that point on, if I wasn't already obsessed, like I couldn't, I couldn't stop looking and being out of the windows and getting as much time as I could uh, watching everything that was happening. And then um, it's actually kind of funny the way that I think of coming off the plane in McMurdo because it's such a different experience uh, than taking the, the ship down. But I worked for five years in Angola, uh, in Africa. And so I kind of, I kind of see those two experiences of getting off the plane as really similar because in Angola, I had never traveled before. I took this job. It was quite crazy. Um, and, uh, I walked off the plane and it was just like a wall of heat hit me as I walked off the plane and just thought, you know, I have no idea who I'm getting into. I'm not sure who I'm supposed to meet. Um, and it was very, it was similar in some ways, not in the not knowing who to meet, but in terms of walking off the plane and feeling that air hit you. So in Antarctica, you know, you had the full gear on, the jacket, the big red. Uh, I, I was completely warm inside, but when you walked out, you could feel that cold air hit you. And it was that same moment of just like a realization that you've put yourself into a very unusual situation, I guess, an adventure. You're, you're somewhere different and something new is starting. And, um, you know, walking down those steps and seeing the Terebus and all those things that I'd seen on TV, it was just, um, it was incredible. That's, <clears throat> pardon me, that's an incredible um, analog. I, I love that, the heat and then the cold 
Mm-hmm. That's um, that's unique in my in my experience. I've not heard anyone make that analog before. That's really interesting. It was also like five thirty a.m. in Angola, and it was it was a wall of heat at five thirty in the morning. So, yeah. And that was five years of your life. Yeah, I spent five years down in Angola. Um, I worked for oil and gas at the time, and I had um, I'd I'd been in I, I was I'm from Bakersfield, California. So to me, that's kind of not a terribly exciting place to be from. <laughs> it's central California. There's not much that happens there. And um, I, I, I actually had some things happen in my life where my husband passed away. Um, and about two weeks later, I got the opportunity to go an- to Angola. And, uh, you know, I took it. And I ended up spending five years there working 28 days on, 28 days off, which is how I had the opportunity to go to the Antarctic the first time because, uh, you know, I had that time off to be able to support that. Can you describe life at McMurdo Station for an apprentice? I'm sorry, I forgot the term. (laughs) Supply tech apprentice. (laughs) There we go, supply tech apprentice. Yeah, you know, um, for me, it's it's difficult because I did work in Angola, so I tend to contrast the two, you know, compare the two a lot. Um, and to me, McMurdo was a bit of like Shangri-La in terms of options. There was a lot of stuff going on and available compared to other camps that I worked in. Um, a lot of activities, a lot of food. Um, granted, you know, it's not everything that you would hope and desire, but there are a lot of, I would say, amenities at working at McMurdo Station. For the supply tech, um, you know, I think the thing is when you go down there, you're going down there to work. You're not going down there to have fun all day and go look at the penguins, right? So uh, the life of a supply tech apprentice means that you're in um, warehouses or you're in the um, the main area that we have all of our supplies uh, most of the day, uh, or you're running around on the forklifts or in the trucks delivering items. So the majority of your day is gonna be centered around that. Um, in terms of kind of life outside of work there, uh, like I said, you have a whole galley of several different options of things to eat. Now, granted, no matter how many amenities you have after six months in one place, it's going to, to be, you know, you'll want different things. The other thing that struck me that was was different than what I was used to is a lot of things were frozen for significant periods of time. <laughs> so the flavor and, and kind of those things that you desire started to fade away. <laughs> so it's like a, the food helps you to continue the day, but it doesn't like satiate your your need for like something special or different. Um, and then you were always excited when a plane came in and had fresh fruit and uh, and salads and things like that. Uh, that. That's something that always cheers everybody up. Uh, to get kind of those influxes. And McMurdo has a lot more amenities than places like the South Pole or other stations uh, in the Antarctic. So um, I think it's, I think in those terms, I was quite impressed at how much there was. Now, if a normal person went down there, I could see them definitely having some adjustments that they have to make to get used to the fact that they don't have everything that we're used to maybe in the US or Australia or, or wherever. 
that's fascinating. Um, just that the Angolan experience makes those contrasts for you. Uh, <laughs> I, had no, I had no idea about that aspect of your history, and it's really interesting how it has informed your experience of Antarctica. The... Yeah, we couldn't get mail there. And in Antarctica, while the mail takes a long time, the fact that you could get mail at McMurdo was, to me, like, wow, this is so cool. If I had known this, I could have sent myself all these things. And, you know, I was worried about going before I was going. I was like, how much toothpaste do I use in six months that I need to bring with me? Because the shop I had in Angola was like very limited options, very limited. And then you couldn't get mail. So I was, yeah, I was pleasantly amazed by those things. There's a couple of Ice coffee listeners applying to get to McMurdo um, in the 21-22 season and you've already given me the answers to the questions do do you get your flights and accommodation covered in Christchurch mm -hmm. which you do mm -hmm. um, is there anything that you would want to warn sounds ominous but I think it's the apt word is there anything you would want to warn first timers about yeah, you know, I think it's, I think this is somewhat hard as well, just because I come from a background of continuous improvement. So the last decade, I've been working to help businesses make their processes better, safer, faster, more efficient. I've obviously done a lot of self, um, you know, improvement, transformation. So a lot of my life, I did not realize was so centered around improvement uh, and being able to affect positive change. And so for me, one of the real challenges or the warnings that I would have going down there is that, um, you know, what you're going to enjoy most is going to be the people and the events that you go to and the different activities that you get to be a part of and that you should celebrate that and enjoy that as much as you can. Um, and that your work or your experience and all of that is going to be less, less important. Uh, so if you're worried, I was worried about, I don't know how to drive a forklift. <laughs> that was a worry I didn't need to have. Um, so I would say, you know, let those those things go and really focus on some of those personal aspects. Because for me, at least, those ended up being more important than some of the, um, the things I thought I was going to learn in terms of work uh, at a remote place like McMurdo. And you mentioned the events that you go to. What are what are some of the events on the McMurdo calendar? Uh, well, there's things. I mean, there's there's different. There's all kinds of things going on. So you have this community of people that are unique, and they are able to kind of shape things to be what they would want to do. So um, you know, while I was down there, I love history. So I started getting a group together every week to talk about history. Uh, that was fun to do for me. Other people love music. So there's a lot of people that put on live music events where you can go dance and enjoy that. I don't know if the bars are still open. I know they were making some changes, but you know, there's bars open that you can go and you can socialize with people. You can be part of a band. There's art that's being made. There's, um, you know, if you have a hobby, you can take those supplies with you and do some of that. Um, and there's a community there that might enjoy it with you or teach you new things about those hobbies. 
So the, the events really, you know, span the spectrum of uh, people's talents, but it's amazing to get to see, uh, you know, how a group of a thousand individuals each have so many unique talents that they bring to the table that allow you to celebrate. So things like ice stock, where you have a live band that's playing in the new year and you get to enjoy it in the sunshine. Um, you know, the, just some incredible things that, that people are able to pull together down there. And what sort of opportunities does the average McMurdoan get to get into the great outdoors and experience Antarctica on a camping or a, a travel? Yeah, you know, that that's a tough one. So that was a tough one for me particularly because I got pretty sick for a month or two while I was down there, um, right kind of at the same time that some of those opportunities came along. So definitely kind of at the beginning of the season or um, just before the new year, uh, there, there seemed to be more activities that were available to people, um, such as snowmobiling towards Erebus or going out and doing kind of the camping. I don't think they did the overnight, but you got to go um, uh, cut up ice blocks or do different activities out on the snow. Um, going to Scott base, so going to the New Zealand base is always a fun thing that's usually available each week. Um, but the problem is with some of these activities, uh, you really have to be kind of at the right place at the right time. So there's other things that come up somewhat randomly that you can go be a part of. But people that have been there the most times are the ones that are going to be given the priority. So if you're new there, it's going to be harder for you to get onto some of these events. So you'll want to, you know, really pay attention to the different postings and, and things that go up so that you can be on the list or be part of the raffle. For me, the main activity I wanted to be a part of was because I wanted to work on the expedition ships, uh, was that I wanted to give the Discovery Hut tours. So for me, from day one, I started asking, how can I give the Discovery Hut tour? Uh, also because I love the history of it and being a part of it. And um, so I got on that pretty quickly and I was able to do several of those tours, one to a group of Italians, um, you know, go in and out of the Discovery Hut. It, it, and that was really, really um, a wonderful highlight for me. So if there's things like ahead of time that you know you wanna be a part of, you know, ask around and, and make sure that you like know when they're posting that list up so that you can get on it. I keep forgetting, I keep getting wrapped up in the stories that you're relating and I just, I'm just listening to you and not remembering that I have an active in, <laughs> I listen to a lot of podcasts, so I'm sort of accustomed yeah. to being just, oh yeah, that's really cool. And this is one where I actually have to engage. <laughs> well, I have a habit, I, I can keep talking because I work as a consultant, I can keep talking for, <laughs> for hours, so <laughs> I got to be careful too, I'm trying to make sure that I pause here and there. Well, the, the question that often arises in these sorts of discussions, whether it's for the podcast or just with, with other people with an interest in Antarctica, uh, what plans are afoot to get back to the South? Yeah, you know, I've had some other things going on at home that I've been trying to launch. Uh, I've been working on, um, as I said, I'm a consultant. So I've been launching my own Arm of Lean Six Sigma training and workshops. 
Uh, and really my desire there is to have kind of a balanced lifestyle where I can spend more time uh, in the polar regions, whether that's the Arctic or the Antarctic. I haven't started applying at the expeditions uh, cruises yet. And I don't know that I don't know that going back to McMurdo is going to be something on my list. Um, I think, yeah, I, I, that's a hard one for me. The other thing that's challenging for me is that I came back to the U.S. from New Zealand on March 3rd, 2020. <laughs> so this was terrible timing oh. because, you know, New Zealand shut down a week later and the U.S. shut down at the beginning of April. I mean, complete, like, real lockdown stuff. Um, so I, I barely had a minute to adjust from Antarctica to the U.S. I think I went to one restaurant in the U.S. before things shut down. So I really, it, it's terrible. So it's, it's been hard to plan some of those things just because I have been kind of, um, you know, in this COVID quarantine mode uh, that I could use to get out of. I have been also doing some volunteering for some cetacean conservation organizations and things like that uh, in COVID that I can still try to support. So um, right now that's that's all I've had going on. And it's, it's kind of uh, does bother me because I have that itch all the time of, of needing to go back. Um, and and just, I, I know a lot of us that have been to Antarctica or, or have that kind of travel addiction, as I kind of describe it, have that like, it's time, I've got to start moving. It's been too long. Um, so yeah, I got to get those plans together. I can definitely relate to that. I feel that your insights will just keep popping up in my Facebook feed or my email inbox. I, I, I don't feel that I've made the best possible use of your time and energy because I just know that there's more that I have to sign off shortly and head to Sydney to try and get back to Antarctica. So oh, thank you lucky. so much for your time and thank you for your insights on life in McMurdo and yeah, great, great perspectives and storytelling. Oh, I, would you like to plug your business? Oh yeah, my business is Beautiful Opportunities and we run workshops and trainings to make businesses better, safer, faster and more efficient efficient there's a word that you don't hear much in antarctic <laughs> operations you can see some of the challenges that i experienced <laughs> <laughs> thanks again for your time amanda thank you matt